Hey everyone, I'm Brendan Hill, and this is Forward Thinking, a podcast by Metagy. Each week, I talk to inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. Fun fact, acquiring a new customer can cost five times more than retaining an existing one. Can your business afford to ignore your existing customers? That's what I'm exploring today with my special guest, Amber Dermody. Amber is a social media strategist at Koros and digital marketing educator at General Assembly. In my conversation with Amber, we cover a wide range of topics, including why businesses need to focus more on customer retention, how Amber builds thriving communities, and why you need to start utilizing social messaging in your business. Amber has a fantastic Facebook Messenger versus email test that she ran, and we have the details of this in the episode and in the show notes. Amber also introduces us to her cat, Leonardo DiCatrio, who is an Instagram influencer, and she tells the story of how a pet can actually help with your personal brand. So don't forget to follow Leonardo DiCatrio on Instagram after the episode, I will put his bio in the show notes. So I hope I retain your attention for the entirety of this special retention marketing episode with Amber Dermody. Amber, welcome to the show. Brendan, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking some time out today and coming in and talking all things digital marketing. My first question is, what was your first exposure to digital marketing? Uh, Well, I guess I'm kind of aging myself when I talk about this. But, you know, I think I have a really interesting background and and probably a lot of listeners will identify with this. You know, in my career, I've pivoted quite a little bit. But my first exposure was I'd been sort of studying business and law, working as a paralegal in legal firms. And I just wasn't very inspired. And I had, you know, an idea and I had a, a business partner and we actually launched our own business called Betty Lifestyle Assistance. Right. It was in Brisbane. Um, and essentially it was a concierge for time poor professionals. So this is kind of before the days of Airtasker. Airtasker mm. came in and kind of, I guess, put a tech spin on that whole concept. And that was the direction we were going, but they kind of beat us at the <sighs> punch. But it was more of a, um, probably more of a higher end type of help. So, you know, anything from you know, arranging nannies, cleaning, you know, having someone at home to be there for services or waiting in line for an iPhone, like a PA for your life, basically. So launching that business, you know, me and my business partner at the time, she was very commercial. So she was kind of out there, you know, trying to, I guess, um, get backing and things like that. Um, Whereas I was very much on the marketing PR side of things. Mm. And um, this was kind of my first exposure to, you know, Facebook was very new back then. People were still on MySpace back then. You didn't even have business pages on Facebook. And being a small business, we definitely went out on a PR spin. But, you know, it was all of those cheaper end marketing things that we could do, such as Google and such as Facebook, to really bring in, I guess, the customers. Uh, And that actually started my trajectory into social media. So, Uh, Marketing for the company, especially using Facebook, really helped to build our brand profile and really helped to, I guess, cement us in the market. It was cheap. I really Mm. enjoyed it. It was fun. And we ended up selling the business about three years later and I got picked up by News Limited to launch the True Local program in Brisbane. So that was my whole career Mm. and start in digital marketing. 
And when did you come to the realisation that Facebook would be such a powerful marketing tool? I realised pretty early on and it was really interesting. You know, I was teaching a lot of people back then and obviously this is 10, 11, ooh, yeah, yeah, that long ago. You know, I was teaching a lot of people about it and there were so many people saying, this won't take off, what's in a like, there's no value in a like here. You know, it didn't have, it still had advertising capabilities, it didn't have what it has today. But, you know, I knew pretty early on that it was a really powerful tool and I knew the power of just social generally was an upward trend and I was really happy and really lucky to, I guess, choose that as my specialty in my career path. Seeing now just the impact, you know, that social media has on our everyday lives. Yeah. And you're a bit of an all-rounder, an expert in many different, uh, different <laughs> jack parts. jack of all trades. Yeah. yeah. So what, what sort of got you excited in 2019? What are you focusing on? Oh, look, 2019 is really exciting. I think I call myself a pseudo geek. Right. Um, and you're right. I, you know, I definitely love to dabble in a lot of different areas and I teach um, digital marketing in a company called General Assembly, oh, nice. you know, which keeps me on my toes and, you know, mm. I'm teaching you know, people in there, I've got everyone from your top leading CMOs to your students just coming out of, you know, uni. I've even had CEOs in there who more want to understand what the agencies are talking about as mm. opposed to learning the techniques. But I guess what gets me excited in 2019 is understanding, you know, the role that, you know, future tech is going to play, you know, what is going to be automated. We're already starting to see automation, you know, take over a lot of different industries, What's the role that AI is going to have? You know, definitely in the social field when you think about bots and things like that. You know, VR is really exciting. How can we as marketers, you know, use this automation and use technology moving forward to, you know, give better experiences and really provide value to our customers? At the end of the day, you know, marketers and people in a lot of different fields are thinking, how can I future-proof myself? And the way that you can do that is by being excited about the future and not scared and just preparing yourself in every way that you can. Yeah, I wanted to touch on AI in marketing. So here at Metigy, we're using AI in marketing and we're building it into our platform as well. Have you seen any early success stories of someone that's implemented the technology well? Yeah, look, I think AI is a really interesting one at the moment. And I think if you look at any of your you know, predictive, like IoT devices in particular, like your Google Homes and your Lexus and things like that. I think it's really interesting the things that they're doing there. But, you know, in terms of, I guess, different case studies around AI, I, th I think it still is, you know, early days, but I definitely kind of look at your Alexas and your Amazons and I'm really interested to see, you know, I guess probably more we'll see it in the US tripling into Australia, but I'm really interested to kind of look more at that order to shelf to shipping process will all be done by, you know, robots soon enough. Mm. So I'm really interested to see that. Yeah, for sure. And one area that I wanted to touch on is retention. So I know that you focus on loyalty a lot and you run a workshop about closing the loyalty loop. Yeah. So, I mean, retention, I think, is still overlooked in the business community for sure. So I mean, there's some statistics out there, you know, it's five times as expensive to acquire a new customer than to retain an existing one. I just read a article out of Harvard Business School this week is saying a 5% increase in retention. It can lead to an increase in profits between 25 and 95% just because the small gains lead to the compounding revenue growth and the customers stick around longer. So, I mean, a few questions. Why is it still so overlooked if it's, you know, paramount for growth? And how can early stage businesses put more attention to this? 
Oh my gosh, Brendan, this is like music to my ears. <laughs> mm. um, you should hear me in my classes and my students. I'm drumming this in constantly. Yeah. I guess to answer your first question, why aren't businesses focusing on it as much? I don't know. I think that later stage businesses definitely are. So there's, you know, that I guess, you know, in the product life cycle, you, you do have to understand that an early stage business is looking at growth, you know, and they are looking to, you know, just bring in the numbers. I know Amazon at the beginning were like, we don't care where they come from. We don't care who they are. You know, we've got $33 to spend on acquiring customer. Let's just get as many as we can. And and if you look at, you know, especially subscription-based services, mm. they just want to get as many through the door. But you're absolutely right. Retention is so paramount to the success of any business, not only from, you know, a monetary standpoint, but also from, you know, a relationship and a you know, a standpoint of loyalty as we were talking about. So I think some things that, you know, businesses can definitely do is, you know, understand that it is a relationship with their customer. Right. I'm a big fan of um, Brene Brown. Are you, have you heard of Brene Brown? No, tell, tell us more. So Brene Brown, she is a researcher out of Texas in the US and she does a lot of research into, you know, things like, you know, vulnerability. It's kind of a different tact, but she has a great analogy that she kind of talks to her daughter about when it comes to, you know, building loyalty. And it's more about loyalty and friendships, you know, for her daughter at school. She has an analogy about a marble jar and, and this marble jar, you know, it's for each good deed and each good act of loyalty and, you know, that your friends do, the marble jar gets filled. But it's also the same for those acts of disloyalty and, and those, <laughs> exactly, and, and those acts of things that kind of go against the friendship. And I think that brands should try and look at it in that way a little bit more. So how can they fill the marble jar of their customers? Yeah. You know, and, and they can do that through the little things. You know, it's the honesty, it's the integrity, it's taking customer service to the next level. And if they can do that and if they can continue that relationship, then retention just comes along with that because, mm. you know, if people like from you, they want to buy from you. If you're giving them great customer service, if you're listening to everything that they have to say and taking it all on board, then they're going to want to continue, you know, using you over your competitors, which are constantly going to be trying to to take those people from you. Yeah, for sure. And how does that feed into community building as well? Because obviously you have to retain the customers, yeah. keep building that community. I know you're a passionate community builder <laughs> as well. Digital, oh, Interactive Minds, oh, sorry, yeah. in Sydney. Yeah. And you've got a few other communities that you contribute <laughs> to as well. Yeah, definitely. My work at... Um, We've kind of touched on a few little side hustles that I do. So Interactive Minds is digital marketing events and I run um, digital marketing courses with General Assembly. But my day job is with a company called Coros, which is an enterprise level social media marketing company. And, you know, we're very focused on building communities and retaining communities, both in a social sense and, you know, forum um, based communities as well. You know, really tricks when it comes to community, it's, it's you know, almost the same as that retention principle it's about starting and starting the interesting conversations, listening to what everybody has to say. You know, a lot of people, when they reach out, just want to be heard, mm. you know, and I think building a really strong community behind a brand um, can really help to elevate you. If you look at some of the brands that have kind of built themselves up from almost, you know, a fan, you know, ideology, You've got things like Frank Body Scrub, you know, based out of Melbourne, purely, you know, built themselves from community. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for brands or companies to kind of invest in that community principle as a way of retaining customers. Mm. And are there any stories 
that you can tell us of, uh, you know, people you've worked with, they've implemented, you know, some of the steps that we've talked about, the loyalty loop, focused on retention? Yeah. You know, I think, I actually think General Assembly is a really good example of all of those things. So they are an education company for those who haven't heard of um, General Assembly before. And they have a wide range of different courses, you know, free workshops that they run all the time, free events. And in terms of the the loyalty loop and the retention that they have there, they're constantly looking for feedback, you know, and, mm. you know, myself personally, when I look back at when I first started teaching there, you know, I got an NPS of, you know, 60 or 68 or something like that. So it wasn't great. You know, mm. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, but they were looking and asking people about all things from, okay, what's your view of the syllabus? What's your view of the content? What's your view of the instructor, which was me? Mm-hmm. You know, what are your view of even the surroundings, the desks, the chairs, the facilities, you know, they were really asking those hard questions. And, you know, four years later, I'm still there and you know, I've just received my last round and it's an NPS 100. Oh, wow. You know, so... Congratulations. Thank you very much. But, you know, it's taken them and it's taken me, you know, that time to really, with each iteration of the course that, you know, I've run, Mm. it's changed and there's changes and they're constantly listening. So I get a lot of students in my class that have said, I've come in from someone else's recommendation. You know, and still to this day, word of mouth is your highest form of marketing and flattery. On the community side, you know, they've everybody's invited to Slack, so probably a lot of your listeners have Slack. Um, they've got a great kind of tribe of alumni um, mm. with General Assembly, so they keep their community strong with free events, you know, VIP invites to different things and really just keeping them in the loop because they find that a lot of people will come and do one course, so they might do digital marketing, then they might come and do UX, and then they might come and do, you know, programming or something like that. So they're able to keep people coming back. They're able to keep people in the game by having really, really good uh, closing the loyalty loop on NPS and as well as keeping community strong. Yeah, a really strong community. Yeah. Another area that I wanted to touch on was social messaging. So I know that you've done a lot of work in this area as well. So can you tell us first, what is social messaging? And then how can early stage businesses utilize this tactic? Yeah, look, social messaging is, I think, really important for a lot of businesses to, to think about. When you think about your average person these days, you know, I think it's the start of about one in every three minutes is spent on either Facebook or Instagram. Wow. Yes. And when you think about yourself, you know, it it is kind of those micro moments. So firstly, social messaging is basically, you know, using a social media channel to connect with someone. So whether it's a brand, whether it's your friends, you know, firing up the group chat, uh, etc. The really big opportunity here for brands is that people, primarily anybody, you know, probably under the age of 50 these days, you know, doesn't really want to make a phone call. They want to use a live chat function. But social messaging takes that even a step further. I think the frustrating thing with live chat at the moment is that, you know, if you lose internet connection or something happens, you've lost that chat. Whereas Mm. with social messaging, it's in your inbox. You know, it's still in your Instagram or it's still in your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever that might be. So that's a great opportunity for brands to be able to continue that conversation, Mm. not just have a one-off or one that could be interrupted. Um, It also means people can pick up that conversation later. There's a lot of really cool, interesting things that will be happening here. We talked about AI before and a really great brand strategy is to have something like a bot or an automation to be able to pick up those easy questions, the FAQs, 
and then leave your, you know, community managers and your customer service team mm. to, you know, pick up the harder questions in the social messaging as well as, you know, being able to kind of delight customers through, you know, maybe some fun gives or things like that. I think it's definitely a space that's growing. Mm. I know that HubSpot recently kind of came out and said social messaging, you know, or Facebook Messenger in particular, they said, is the new email. Yeah. You know, so I think it's a big statement. Mm. They actually ran a um, test. They just used Facebook Messenger as their primary channel versus email at an event that they ran. And I think they had, I think it's on their website and I had them speak at one of my events, but they had a um, 242% increase in open rates and a 620% increase in click-through rates. 620%. By using Facebook Messenger versus email. So when you think about one-on-one channels these days and Mm. if you think one in every three minutes, mobile minutes is spent on Facebook or Instagram, You've got an instant one-on-one channel with your customers who are going to be reading your communications. So Mm. there's a big opportunity for brands and businesses to leverage that. We also had Derek and Ben on the podcast from Babblestack. They're building out a similar solution with social messaging. So if we call up Optus, for example, they can then get pushed to the social media platform of their choice, continue the conversation and not lose the message. As you said, they have it backed up. And then on the Optus end, for example, they'll be on Slack communicating with them, you know, over WeChat, Messenger, WhatsApp. The user experience is definitely going to be improved. That's amazing. I'd love an intro to those guys. Yeah, no, I definitely <laughs> can introduce you guys. And another area that I wanted to touch on in digital marketing, it is becoming a bit of a hot area, personal branding. There's so many platforms now. Give me your take on personal branding and where it's headed. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And, you know, I heard a stat yesterday that, you know, 50% of Americans, you know, by 20 27 are going to be either freelance or in the gig economy. Wow. So, you know, even for listeners out there in the startup space, you are your business. You know, you really represent your business and your brand. So, you know, having a really strong personal brand is very important. I kind of knew this very early on when I was switching careers. You know, I knew that I didn't have the experience of other people in the space, but I was still going for the same jobs. And the thing that gave me the edge over those people was that I was really, I put a lot of time into my personal brand. You know, I learned how to build a website before you could just go and buy a template. (laughs) Drag and drop. Exactly, before Squarespace and Wix and all those things. You know, I learned HTML and I I built my own website and I I did all of that. And I did so much work to kind of build my portfolio and, and build my brand. You know, and it helped me when I moved to Sydney. I didn't even look for a job. I got approached straight away by two people. And, you know, at 26, I got head of digital role purely through my personal brand. You know, so it was really, really great. You know, I I think for everybody out there, you do need to invest in yourself. You know, you need to really, you know, come to the table with what makes you unique. Again, kind of back to the AI thing that we were talking about before, even in recruitment, AI is going to take over a lot of that. You know, so if you don't have that you know, all those tick boxes, you're not even going to get the opportunity to be in the room. So Mm. you're going to have to come up with other ways to stand out, you know, amongst your competitors. And personal branding is definitely a way that you can do that. So I think, you know, some tips there, you know, know what you have to say, you know, like stand for something and, and really back yourself. Have something kind of interesting, a little bit quirky. So mine is I have a 
Instagram famous cat called Leonardo DiCaprio. Nice. Um, and, you know, I kind of mention him in everything. He's on my website. He's in my resume. Um, <laughs> he's everywhere because people remember that. You yeah. know, most of the time people will remember my cat before they remember my name. <laughs> so, you know, I think, you know, having something that's a bit quirky and giving personality is important. Mm. You know, but I think outside of that personal branding, and there are other channels, you know, definitely be across all the channels that you want, but maybe you're stronger at LinkedIn, maybe you're stronger yeah. at Instagram. I guess it depends on the audience that you're trying to appeal to and also what you enjoy the most. I think anything in life, if you enjoy it, you're going to be better at it. So if you love Instagram or if you love Twitter, you know, that's the space that, you know, try and build yourself there. LinkedIn is always so important as well. You know, from a professional standpoint, everyone's going to be looking there. But I think as well, invest in yourself, you know, educate yourself, do everything that you can to really, I guess, build your confidence um, and also your network. Mm, Speaking of investing in yourself, (laughs) what's an investment that you've made in yourself that's made a big difference? Oh, Look, probably lately, the biggest, it's a very small investment. It was only $70, but it was an app that I bought and it's called Calm. Calm.com. Yes. Mm. And I, I'm one of those really cheap people that hates buying apps. (laughs) I'm really cheap. I will spend all my money on food and it doesn't matter. But Mm. when it comes to apps, I'm always want the free version. Yeah. But Calm has been a huge investment for me. You know, I think probably a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners can relate, but I don't sleep very well normally and, you know, I never have. And when you're running your own business, you're on 24-7. Yep. You know, you don't get to switch off. Mm. But Calm for me has really, you know, they've got some great tools in there to... Mm. Sleep stories. Sleep stories, oh, yes. yes. Matthew uh, McConaughey, sleep oh. story. <laughs> always puts you to sleep. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, Matthew McConaughey, that voice. <laughs> yeah, look, the sleep stories are amazing. But I think, you know, in this day and age, we're all so stressed. We've mm. all, we're all connected all the time. So I think something like that is really, really helpful for us to just take a step back, help our sleep, take some time out. So I'd definitely recommend it for anyone looking for, you know, I guess an investment in themselves because Mm. if you invest in yourself, if you're rested and you're feeling good mentally, you know, you're only going to do a much better job in everything that you touch in your life. Yeah, for sure. And now I wanted to talk about learning how to learn. So you're an instructor at General Assembly. I mean, they're pretty innovative the way they teach as well and especially the content. How do you learn how to learn the new skills you need? Because as early stage business owners, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of things that you need to become an expert on. What's the best way that you recommend how to do that? Look, that's a really great question. I've always been a very hands-on person. You know, I think there's people that come to my classes or that come to, you know, it's it's a 10-week part-time course or a one-week intensive course. And there's people that come in thinking, I'm going to be an expert at the end. You know, digital marketing has so many facets to it. Yeah. It's just incredible and they continue to evolve. Mm, I guess being an instructor is a good way to keep you <laughs> exactly. accountable uh, and up to date. Exactly. You know, I always say, you know, if I was to take a year holiday, I'd be behind by the time yeah. I got back. So the best way to learn and stay up to date is to always keep reading. You mm. need to just, you know, have the blogs that you love to read. You know, books are great, but books get outdated so quickly. So. Yeah. Invest in ebooks, videos, all the online learning tools. But as I said, I'm very much a doer. So I've always had little side hustles or even little things that I can practice on. Leonardo DiCaprio has been a great one for me on Instagram because I can try out different 
tools that come out all the time mm. with his account not having to compromise my own business accounts. <laughs> so my suggestion to business owners and small businesses out there, you know, you can still do this with your own businesses, but, you know, just do smaller like your, I guess, more of your um, kind of lean startup approach, right? Like you just do a smaller sprint. doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. But just try it out. Try something new. And if it doesn't land, it doesn't land. But, you know, if it does, then you found something really cool and you're learning as you go. So just be open to, you know, what's out there and, you know, don't be so afraid to fail, I guess. You know, just give it a go and, and see how it all pans out. And how many followers does Leonardo DiCaprio have? Uh, I think it's about 12,000 at the 12, moment. 12,000? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he goes viral constantly. So wow. when my phone's pinging, I'm like, yeah. oh, he's gone viral somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he hasn't been very good at posting lately, so mm. he needs to get back into his content. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and we touched on business books, so... You know, they do get outdated, but some principles remain the same. Are you a big reader? Are there any books that you can recommend? Absolutely. Huge reader. I've got, you know, I I mentioned Brene Brown before and I saw her when she was in Australia a couple of weeks ago. So that's why she's so, I guess, present in my mind. She has a couple of books, but one of my favourite is called Dare to Lead. Dare to Lead. Um, She talks about having those hard conversations. She talks about being in the arena and not listening to the voices of people who are not in the arena. And I think, you know, for entrepreneurs, small business owners, really anybody out there, really great uh, lessons. Mm. Same kind of thread on that, Hug Your Haters by Jay Beer, um, a really good one. Anything by Seth Gordon, of course. Yeah. There's a reason he's got Gordon, his last name. <laughs> this is a weird one because it's mainly, you know, young men that like him, but I love a bit of Jordan Peterson as well. So yeah. 12 Rules for Life. I thought that was a really interesting read and mm. good principles. And then I guess... This is going to be a little strange and I hope not too morbid, but a book that I absolutely love is the book Alive by Paul Reed and it's about the Andes survivors from the plane crash that ended up having to resort to cannibalism to survive. Wow. (laughs) Interesting. So hear me out. Yeah. (laughs) I, whenever I'm kind of in a moment of thinking that I don't have anything more to give or that life is terrible or that things are so bad... I kind of remember back to this book and I think about, you know, the struggles that these people had to go through to survive. They had to climb out of the Andes. They had no food. They had nothing, you know, and and they just kept pushing and they kept going. And and one of the survivors from that is now a motivational speaker. You know, I'm very much a big advocate of his. So a little bit of a weird one, um, but alive, Mm. you know, a great story about perseverance. And I think perseverance is so important, especially in the startup hustle these days. So just keep going. Just keep going. Those awesome books. We'll put all of the resources and books that Amber's talked about today. You can find them at metagy.com forward slash podcast. So what's in your current business black box? What are you struggling to solve at the moment? Um, Yeah, look, you know, the thing that I think myself and a lot of marketers are really struggling to solve at the moment is probably measurement and attribution. Mm. So there's always been an issue of attribution across channels. So, okay, you know, you have your Google ad set up, but it was converted by, you know, an email. You know, who gets that attribution? Or, you know, there's 10 channels involved in this. What should the weighting be for that attribution? You know, I think Google has a first and last touch model. They've got a few different models Um, And it's definitely something in the industry that's up in the air, especially depending on, you know, where you work and and what channels you're using. But I think my big struggle is, you know, it's gone beyond 
uh, measurement and attribution of channels. It's now measurement and attribution of, you know, channels and devices and mm. sessions. So did they start on the desktop but finish on mobile? You know, so you have to like take in all these different things into account to look at the full user journey. So that's definitely something I struggle with and, and in the past have had to prove worth, you know, when I was on agency side. But I think there's definitely some really cool tools coming out there and people trying to solve those problems. But I think it's something that a lot of marketers these days are struggling with. Mm. So I guess watch this space. Yeah, for sure. It's a tough one. So Amber, thank you so much for dropping all the value today to our audience. We have a couple of abstract questions that we like to ask our guests that will finish off the podcast for today. So question number one, if you could have a billboard that all business owners would see, you could have text, visuals, whatever you want on it, where would you put the billboard and what would it say? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I mean, like if I could have kind of I would love to put like the billboard on the moon. That's uh, um, some good, uh, <laughs> good visibility. But, you know, I might be beaten by China. I don't know. <laughs> um, look, I don't really have one for me right now, but I have to say, you know, I have to give respect to the koala guys when it comes mm, to billboards. Yeah, amazing. I love the one they did recently, you know, right in front of Ikea, you know, with the, <laughs> well, they, they're always doing it with the, you know, more comfortable beds that already come assembled. So, yeah, I think that strong billboard game, I don't have anything to contribute that probably Probably just a big photo of Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, <laughs> Get to be the honest. followers up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. And our final question. I'm glad you mentioned the moon because we're about to blast off into space. So, are you ready for launch? Oh yeah. All right. Let's be- do it. <laughs> because you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So, what business do you start when you land on Mars, and how do you market it to the new Martians? Oh, okay. I love this question, by the way. Big Elon Musk fan. Um, well, you've got two years on the <laughs> trip to uh, talk to him, pick oh, his two brain. Years. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the cold, but, you know, I'm sure there'll be some kind of thermal amazing. Elon can solve that. Exactly. Yeah. He can solve everything, right? Look, I think it really depends on what I'd be looking to achieve. I think, you know, making some assumptions here about climate and landscape and, and also, I guess, myself, you know, am I out to make money? Am I out to have fun? Or am I out to contribute, you know, to Mm. our new community? So I think, you know, if it was anything to do with money and fun, I'd probably be thinking down the food, alcohol, (laughs) you know, weddings. Weddings? I don't know. Weddings are always so much money. You know, you could just add Mm. 40% on top. I would love to know what a wedding on Mars would look like as well. But I think... um, you know, like I guess for fun you could think of things like a ski resort. It's going to be very cold. Mm. But then again, the logistics around that. So I guess if I was kind of going to go back to my roots, me as a person, I'm from a family of artists and architects and historians and a lot of the books I read outside of the business ones are, you know, history and, and also, you know, fantasy because I love escape. So I think what I'd probably do is open some sort of museum, gallery or library or a combination of all of those things, which kind of allows people to experience where we've come from mm. um, and also, you know, have a space that they can touch physical things that aren't virtual and physical things from the past to mm. keep us in touch with, yeah, like I said, where we've come from, but I guess, you know, who we are as human beings before all 
you know, just AI and a computer or, yeah. <laughs> you know, future arm or just a, you know, plugged in. So, yeah, I think that's what I would do. Sounds like an interesting place. And does this <laughs> museum have a name? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, I don't know. The Museum of Things. I don't know. I, I Martian Museum. To, the Martian <laughs> Museum. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Amber, thank you so much for coming in today. Some really valuable tips and resources you guys can find all the show notes and resources Amber has mentioned at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And Amber, before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to say and how can people get in touch? Yeah, look, definitely um, get in touch with me on, I'm on all the social, of course, but probably LinkedIn is um, the easiest one. So you can look me up, Amber Dermody, D-E-R-M-O-U-D-Y. I'm the only one in the world. Oh, wow. Right now. <laughs> um and in terms of, you know, tips and anything I'd love to say, look, you know, for anybody who's out there in the startup journey right now, you know, big kudos to you. Definitely get on that car map. Yeah. You know, it's exciting. It's exhilarating. Enjoy the journey. It's going to be stressful. But, you know, you're here to solve a problem and you're trying to make a difference. So, you know, remember that. I think some advice that I've had from having my own businesses and pivoting and having successful exits and also not so successful exits is leave your ego at the door. Mm. You know, I think it's really hard to get caught up if you've had a big idea and maybe no one understands it or no one wants to buy it right now or whatever it might be. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with pivoting and there's nothing wrong with failing and coming back later and, you know, mm. and, and, and trying again. You know, some of the biggest companies have pivoted, you know, Instagram, Starbucks, PayPal. And I think too, you know, probably got this from some of the books that I mentioned, but I think the other thing is to, you know, listen to your own voice and believe in yourself and don't take any criticism from people who aren't in the arena, people mm. who aren't in the space, people who aren't risking everything to try and do something different. You have your own journey and be really proud of that and, you know, all the best to everybody out there who's trying to do something really cool and, um, and interesting right now. Amazing, Emma. Thank you so much. And, of course, we'll put Leonardo DiCaprio in the show notes <laughs> as well so you can get a few more followers. Oh, great. Please follow him, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, Amber, once again, this has been fun. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. From Metagy, this is the Forward Thinking Podcast. I hope you got a lot of value and actionable tips from today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. If you know a business owner who needs help with their marketing, and I mean, don't we all know one of those guys, tell them to check us out. Never miss another episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. You can also view all of the resources and tools mentioned in this episode at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, why not listen to some other episodes and join the world's leading community of forward-thinking marketers. I'm Brendan Hill, your first business connection, and I'll catch you next week for another award-winning episode of the Forward Thinking Podcast.